Hey, and welcome to the Raising Your Game podcast with me, Lewis Hatchett. On my journey to professional sport, I was always fascinated in what the best in the world were doing and how I could implement it into my own life. I believe that we can all take something from the world of sport that can not only benefit our sporting aspirations and goals, but our day-to-day lives too. I'm going to be speaking to those in and outside the world of sport, exercise and high performance to hear their stories that will hopefully give you insights, advice and ideas for raising your game. In this episode, I speak with Rich Husseini, who is a high performance coach, having worked in professional football, Olympic diving, Olympic ski and snowboard. He's an incredibly gentle guy with such an awesome calming presence when you're with him. And our conversations delve into some of his experiences he's had within sport across the world, a wide variety of athletes that he's worked with, and the cultures and methods that had varied within those areas. Ultimately, we end up speaking about his philosophies as a coach and even touch on a subject that he's super passionate about, which is flow. Having worked and met with a load of strength and conditioning coaches in my career, Rich is a different breed and he's super open to alternative methods and really does look at the athlete in a much more rounded and holistic sense. We caught up in Brighton where we sit on the beach and we do get the odd dog, gust of wind and some calming waves crashing in the background. Rich also talks about some of the coaching that he's doing now where he's taking uh, his principles from sport, Olympic sport and adding them into people's lives and changing their mindsets and how they, they view their own lives. He's an incredibly inspiring guy with what he's doing and he's had a lot of things go on in his life that's given him this completely rounded and holistic look on life and his work that he does so yeah there's some cool conversations that we have and some interesting theories that are that are in there and definitely some methods to implement and ways to live your own life or add them into your own sport so yeah enjoy this episode it's a good one So, so yeah, Rich. Um, this is probably one of the nicest spots we're ever going to do a podcast. I know, I think. I know. <laughs> Just sitting out here, even though it's so tempting to go and get in the water. Um, but thanks so much for for coming and like Thank sitting you. down and and chilled. Like we we met, I guess we met actually the start of this year. Yes. Um, yeah. I was teaching yoga at a studio here in Brighton, and your better half is also a teacher there and then sort of found out about what you were doing found you on instagram what you were doing and um then once i started to hear about your story your journey like you were instantly someone that i was i was like right you you're a very interesting character (laughs) and i think your outlook on stuff is is super um chilled and like such an an amazing outlook on on life and sport so um so yeah i'm super excited for this conversation but uh I mean, we've already been talking for probably about half an hour about loads of different things that can, and we've gone in deep with some stuff already. But um, let's kind of go into, first off, where you started off in sport, so um, as a coach, and sort of then we'll get on to, well, I'm naturally, I'm sure we're going to get into some pretty cool stuff. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah, where did, where did it kind of, the world of sport sort of start for you? Um, I somewhat... My first job in sport was uh, at Fulham Football Club. Yep. So I uh, started off thinking I wanted to do rehab and treatment of injuries, but I um, quickly realized that 
um, that wasn't for me and I wanted to get more on the performance training so I went for Fulham to Harlequins Rugby League uh, and then from I always had the English Institute of Sport in my mind that's where I wanted to work just um, so I fortunate enough to get a job there I was then I started working with the British um, diving team in the Olympic cycle between Beijing and up until and including the London Olympic Games Nice. which is a really great experience with both that sport and also with the EIS it was just an amazing place to learn and grow as a coach um, and then I went to China uh, as a performance coach with Exos and I was working with their Olympic diving teams in Beijing as well as their judo teams in Shanghai and um, that was a, a, the biggest life experience for me it was amazing professionally as well as life experience just living in that country touring with a Chinese national team and uh, and then you know it was just an amazing learning curve and then um, professionally came back worked with hints of performance a little bit of Formula One but mainly with their corporate clients and then I uh, most recently with um, British Ski and Snowboard and their slope style and half pipe squad so those guys the the half pipe guys are the guys that are doing tricks and aerial and they're turning themselves in all sorts of different shapes exactly that yeah, yeah for some reason most of my the career has been with acrobatic athletes a little bit of Cirque du Soleil and I, for some reason yeah I, it's an amazing was that a passion like was it something that you I can't you ever... I can struggle to do a forward somersault yeah. you know <laughs> but uh, it was just it just happened this is the way it was and it, and it just kept going and going and, and it's I'm really grateful to I originally wanted to be in just football or just rugby and, and that was it. And I'm, but I'm so grateful I've had such different experiences and those athletes, uh, yeah, they're just really wonderful to be around. All athletes are, but it, it was just a, a really great learning for me to, to see their outlook on how people are kind of risking their lives in some instances to do what they do. Do what you love and the yeah. risk of really hurting yourself. Yeah. That uh, so your role was strength and conditioning all the way all the way through. Yeah. What um what sort of differences like you spoke about going to China, like that one, the cultural shift just from being in England and, and the UK and, and the way we train and the way we do things is obviously a lot different and just yeah, the culture around what we do. What um what was sort of like were the main differences you saw in the way I don't know the outlook to training for for the Chinese compared to the to British because especially in the acrobatic uh, sort of diving, it is China lead that, don't they? They really fundamental. Yeah, uh, it's a strength of theirs. And what what sort of like a big regime looking like over there compared to here? I guess. Yeah. Uh, so leaving the EIS, which was you know the English Institute Sport, which is very evidence based, leading the field at the time. I I believed. Uh, in the terms of their processes and how they go about physical training stepping into China was just the complete opposite end uh, there was no process it was very much uh, and this is not a negative to China that there it, what later came about to me was that there are many different ways to get world-class performance and and it was um, as an athlete in China you are you're, you start from a very young age and you're you're in the system, so you get looked after, you get accommodation, you get your kit, you get home board, and you're just in the system. And certainly with diving, um, what I saw with my, myself was a very family type of environment. And not to say that isn't the same in England, but uh, 
that's what stood out to me most. There was more fun than I thought was going to happen in China. I thought China was was very hard, was going to be very harsh. That's, and that's a big outlook from a lot of people, isn't it? They think that it's going to be like yeah. really regimented and really strict. Yeah, and there there is that element yeah. definitely, and and that's the way it is. But it's everyone's bought into that, and it's part of it. And I think, you know, the reason why the China is so good at uh, close skill sports, and what I mean by close skill is sports where you there's no relatively low reaction uh, the environment doesn't change too much yeah you know if you're going to step up do a dive you know exactly what you need to do you can yeah. do it in your own time uh, weightlifting gymnastics you know kind of ping pong that's more of a chaotic environment yep. but again it's uh, the amount of practice they put into that is amazing but the reason they do that is just the system is set up to for practice and for the continual Hmm, the word I'm trying to use just the, yeah the continual practice it's and what what couldn't happen in England is the amount of hours they put in yeah uh, you know they, they do put far more hours in than England do um, and they have far more athletes but what going go back to what surprised me about the divers is that the environment was very family like they celebrated when someone was about to try a new trick for the first time obviously they'd been built up to to, to get to that point everyone would stop and watch around the pool big support so if they I saw someone land flat on his back from 10 metres and uh, and everyone just started clapping praised him for, got, for trying for it trying even it, if they failed for it. just trying because yeah and again that's I mean that's more in acrobatic sports but you know how can you get better if you f- don't fail yeah you know, and, and oh, mate, oh, that's that that in itself is amazing that what they yeah. that whole scenario like the fact that a whole team sat around yep. watching them regardless of like outcome yeah, to just support them, and yeah, and then he, for that particular athlete, you know, he this was a world class athlete, and he, he had the rest of the day off. You know, he'd taken a big slam. You know, it's it's just, uh, but he came back the next day and and and, uh, and go did again. It. Yeah, did it the again. same scenario though. Like everyone yep. gets yep. around him. Wow. Yeah, because yeah. he's pushing the boundaries. You know, that's something I've never. Well, what an environment! Like, that's yeah. so cool. Like that's an amazing environment to grow. Um, and then you've got kind of in that in that right now you had screens, video screens, so everything's being recorded. You have he had two coaches for one athlete. You know, like the, the feedback and the, the, the coaching system was so really well put together. You know, really f- athlete, what's well in some places coach-centered, but uh, in that environment, like the, the athlete, you know, you've got so many angles of how to improve and it was just really wonderful. Yeah, that I think that that's a, a really nice way of hearing how different probably the uh, internal structure looks compared to what the outside perception of of, yeah. of like a Chinese diving team would look. I think everyone would probably think it's a bit sort of more, um, yeah, harsher. I mean, I definitely like judo was a harsher environment, uh, but there's a lot more respect in not a lot more respect. There's a lot of respect in judo. I think just being a martial art. I had colleagues who worked with handball, for example, and they they saw that darker side to what the expectations are. Uh, athletes were getting hit um getting punished if they did something wrong like wow. it's it's a really uh, yeah a big contrast and i guess the the old chinese way versus uh the diving way for example yeah and one thing that china did try to do as well they try and do they they cookie cut so if if that process works for that sport, well, let's put it onto this sport, and let's put it onto this sport, and, okay. sport, and it doesn't work like that, you know. So that's an interesting point as well, leading on to the fact that you went from football, 
and then you went into Olympic sports, but not only, and then within the Olympic sports, you've got different disciplines within the Olympic sports. So like how much of what you as a professional coach would you train that would stay fairly similar throughout? And then what is it, the stuff that you kind of see that you definitely change, like it's got to change from discipline or is it completely different environments from the word go? Like there's no fundamental basics that stay throughout or there are, uh, it, everything is, is, needs to have its own unique environment. Uh, I think you have to approach each sport with your, with a unique, a unique mindset. Yeah. You, you've, as a coach and it'd be interesting to hear your point of view, but as an athlete, but as a coach, you know, you, you, you know, what's you know how you need to start, you need to set the foundation. There's no point doing, you know, highly complex explosive movements if someone can't squat or land properly, as an example. But um, ultimately, as a, as a strength coach, you have to get the trust and buy-in of an athlete. So then, uh, you know, in China, I, I had another barrier or potential barrier at the start was that I was a foreigner. And so I was a foreigner in their country. So I needed to earn their trust and so, how did you get the role in the first place? How, like, how did you even get out there? To uh, do that? Oh, it's through LinkedIn. Just uh, I got Just approached by one of the recruitments at, um, okay. at Exos. Approached me as he did a few other people and just applied for the job and got the job. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was just... And so they trusted you. That's yeah, the thing. exactly. But then yeah. you're right, you've got to get, so you've got to get and the trust and buy You know, Exos had, or Athletes Performance at the time, but now it's Exos. They obviously had a huge, they still have a huge name and sport and the, the NFL combine, that's their kind of window shop window but um and so you're in there with exos and 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 athletes once but you you also have to earn the right the coach and i think why that was so much more important in china was because they uh, they have to save face it's just part of i think in a, on a wider asian asian culture you know mistake is not seen as a good thing it's you need to save face you need to and so trying something new is a big risk now it's a risk for everyone but in environments in, in that I've other environments say in England, you know, risk is good because you have to learn, you're growing and you're you can learn from that. But in China it was very not like that. Like they didn't want to if they come across seeing as they've made a mistake, then that's very bad yeah. for personally and, and culturally. So all I did to start with was just to um just to correct some of their movement. I didn't change their programming. Uh, you know, even though I didn't I didn't it wasn't fitted with what I believed in. Um, I just corrected their technique so they were just moving better and then I just collected some simple measurements just simple uh, monitoring that then showed the coach detailed information on their own program not what I was doing but what they were doing and then right. so that just gave a really good place to start with to 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 have a conversation and then that just got so much trust and then we could start to work together because you know his expectation turned out to be not what was actually happening and so which was so powerful for him like it was it's yes it got me connection but it was just really useful for him and so that's that's how that's what worked that's what worked in that yeah. instance because i i i think yeah one there has to be every every sport without doubt the training has to be completely different and you can't but there's also an element like you can take snippets from mm -hmm. other people and what they're training so for me for example as i was growing up I was looking at how boxers were doing what they were doing, like how they were training, how they were moving, because I was like, how can I take their footwork and add it into what I'm doing? Lighter on the feet, a bit more powerful, explosive. Um, swimmers, like how can I do that? How can I take into account their their arm stroke length, like the, the ability to, to, to reach out overhead with that, because that would have been 
I guess I was I always took an interest in the physical side of of training because I was like how can I physically make myself a good athlete Um, but then what parts of other sports can I take that might be worth while um, from a physical point of view adding into my own thing and then it really expanded from there and then it's actually like the skill the um, and we spoke about this kind of similar was once you kind of go into past the physical side of it and you get into like the the psychological mentality you realise like most athletes their mentality especially at the higher end very very similar yes the what they do the skill they have is 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 just different mm-hmm. um and then and then you really start to knuckle down into like the person um the individual how much of what i guess you were doing were you having to take into account like the individual as a person as well like the the emotional side of them as well and what i imagine we'll we'll delve into this in a bit in a, in a bit later but um as well as giving them a physical program, like are you as a strength and conditioning coach kind of taking on board how they're emotionally reacting to it, like changing and training? And oh, you have to, yeah. I mean, in the early part of my career, I just thought, well, you need to get stronger or you need to get faster. This is what you do, so you need to go and do it. And, you know, that's just never going to yeah. work and, and learn that very quickly. And you have to, you know, physical training is a stress. And, you know, that that is one stress. And then they have emotional stress and they have all the different stresses in their in their environment that you have to take into account and you know ultimately what i what i prescribe for for someone to improve strength or power whatever equality you're trying to look right force development whatever you're trying to look at it has to fit with them and and you know it ultimately it's their body that's changing now it's nice in an environment if you can measure that objectively in some form of power or or you know rate of force or you're looking at some quality that's changing but I think this is where acrobatic sports and you, you can measure jumps and all that kind of stuff but really they have to feel right in the air yeah you can't measure that yeah and and ultimately what what supports that is confidence and a belief and so they could be doing an exercise that you that i feel well that's not really offering you anything but if they're doing it and it's making them feel better then who am I to say don't do that yeah you know and so so kind of choosing my battles you know what's worth disrupting versus that's not worth it that, that's really I think as a coach that's something me as coaching people as well that's something that I'm super hypersensitive to I think because you want to give people enough to make them better but you also don't want to give them enough that has uh, so from a physical point of view I want to give you something that's physically or technical that's going to change your ability to to do what you do in a, in a better way um, but at the same time I don't want to disrupt anything that you're doing that's going to have a psychological effect on you so um, it could be like a loss of fo- you could instantly have a loss of form because you're overthinking something mm-hmm. and you're, you're away from um, just just doing it and, and in your flow of, of, of that actual ability to do it that's a real fine line as a coach and um, but and, it, and it's such a diff- difficult one from the athlete side of view because sometimes you hold on to like what you've been doing for ages and you don't want to let go of what you know has got you where you are to then take on some some new information try something new at the risk of failing or or, or becoming some, or losing everything that you've got i think that's a real fear in athletes as well you feel feel fear of like trying something new changing something technique physical a- uh, attribute whatever it's like uh, a mental um attribute that that could actually affect everything that's got you to where you are right now um it's it's a lot easier in younger 
younger mm. athletes because they're in a, a lovely phase of just learning, taking on information and, and trying to figure out who they are. Um, but the actual established athletes, they, they've got stuff that's ingrained that's worked for them to a degree. Um, that's a really good... I think as well with that, like, or in the environments that I've, in later part of my career, you know, to to set up times that you can allow new things to uh periods where you can you can test you know you're going to have a dip in performance if you're going to try new techniques or you're going to try and correct a technique or try something new you're going to have a dip there's no question and to allow that and to honor that and to 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 just provide a space that people can that the athletes can try new things and and it's there's no expectation to to maintain this you can't maintain optimal it's an undulation of ups and downs in my experience, you can obviously stay at a certain at a, a kind of threshold, but to, to to peak, it's you know you have to you can plan into that and, and build into that. But to try new things, to provide a safe environment that you can and, and to say it's all right to fail and these are the, you know whether it's a competition that you you highlight that you're going to try something new and it doesn't matter, or you can in acrobatic sports it's using crash mats, it's using foam pits, it's using support things to just try and yeah. get a feel and because you can physically hurt yourself. Yeah, yeah. Would you schedule it in? Yes, definitely. Literally, a scheduled session would yeah. be right. This scheduled session is <laughs> the fail session. Yeah, this or yeah, not in the fail session, but just okay. We're going to try this and see how you get on with it, and we're going to add it in. And and it in ac- like all sport, but in acrobatic sport, you're 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 building on a skill. Yeah. So they'll you know they'll they'll always start with simple movements, and then okay, well we're going to work on a again, I don't know, uh, a, a twist that's off axis, a cork. And you might be going, okay, we'll try it this way, try it that way, try, and and play with it. There's mm. no, you know, how do you, how how you you give me your interpretation of it? I'm not an acrobatics coach, I'm a strength coach, but I think that's you're looking at um, the team as is toward, you know, Ross, who's the GB Park and Pipe acrobatic. It's just so wonderful to see him do that and to be part of that environment where you're allowing people to fail and to try and to experiment and to have that ultimate creativity and express what you want to express. Yeah, I've I've definitely been in environments where that's not been allowed, and it's been very very because um, you can feel like there's an element of judgment as well, which is interesting from like the Chinese um, point of view of culturally they don't want to fail, so culturally there's that pressure. Um, but again, flipped from actually the the internal side of the diving team, they they were doing it where they they were kind of like pushing their culture aside for a bit because to get better and actually perform at highest they were having they were having to encourage each other to do that yeah. which is really really interesting um so you from a physical point of view like the training that you've given people and knowing you now knowing you as a person as well you've transitioned into more sort of um yoga style movement like you were saying a minute ago you you will do 30 minutes of flow in the morning to get your get your own personal body right and you've only adopted that recently like, uh, last few years yeah but i mean well recently like my daily yoga is recently because i've just got a few physical things going on in my body just yeah. and really i you know a lot of my my mind my my head is at the moment with movement is uh it's great to develop qualities physical qualities attri- attributes in in performance and what i say performance is in a sport and this is where i've been trained in the sense of you know, looking at someone's rate of force development, how quickly a muscle fires, how much elastic energy, elastic, how well they so they use elastic energy, so bouncing, how well they they jump, how well they land, 
but like as a, as a human being and looking at movement you know i think there's so much more to it than, yeah. than that and uh so what i mean is has your uh, what i was getting at was how uh have do you feel yours have developed yes into rather than uh textbook yeah style, oh, so much to like really open to to uh, feel to feel what your body wants to tune into that what feels nice what doesn't feel right yeah you know and uh just enjoying movement rather than oh i need to do this because i need to burn calories or i need to like forget that like yeah for me what just what feels good what do you want to do you know and how do you mix that with performance though so there because there will be an element surely that's that's there's some non-negotiables here like yeah. in order for you to be a, uh, the best long jump athlete you can be you're going to need the elastic you're going to need yep. the leg power and in order to do that here's a training program that is that but around that yeah you could yeah yeah again that's i think that's an individual journey because i think some people will be open to that and not like in my, i can only talk from my experience some athletes are, are, are is holding them back you've got to hold them back from their training because they're so they're so they, they're doing too much mm. and they 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 for whatever reason they're doing too much and they're not trusting the process and they're they're putting themselves into a bit of a hole and they're the ones that i think to nurture and to put in you know movement that feels nice and it might just be a walk it might be an easy yoga flow it might be doing some mobility on a mat versus the the athletes who it's kind of like come on we've got to get some you know get some gains in the gym now you've got to like it's, it's a strength phase or whatever it's i think everyone goes through that don't they, they yeah. there's always um not everyone but there's a majority of, you see it a lot athletes who get to a point where they they will eventually start saying i realized the way when I realised less was more, like yes. everyone like less was more, and Always. I realised that. But you got it is a journey. Like you yep. got to go through it. It's like it, it, how soon does that journey happen for you? And when you start to realise it, and sometimes it can actually trigger through a, a physical trauma yeah, or for a sure. psychological trauma, something like that. And um, yeah, and I, as an, in, if you're talking about athletic population, I think what's what's a bit easier in, in Olympic sport is that you have a, f- a four-year cycle, and so you know. If you're competitive on the world stage, you they want to be world champions or whatever. But ultimately, it's you know you're aiming for the Olympic Games, so you have a four-year period where you can try new things and you can build into that crescendo, that moment. Whereas if you're a team sport, then you're you're looking at you know you, your game, one game, two games a week. Like you're kind of maintaining, and you're mm. again from your point of view, it's it's a it's a tougher environment to trust the process and to because because you're going to underlay all the time. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's something you just can't te- you, you can't. I think it's harder to tell people as well. Like yeah. when you when you tell them, no, come on, trust the process. It's, it's trust, something you got to yeah. experience, hasn't it? Trust that recovery is going to do you more yeah. right now than going to the gym. But actually, the smarter that I feel like the the athletes I've met and come across and and seen like the ones that figure that out very early, that their longevity is is way yes. more way way more yeah. um, and they don't have those huge ups and downs you're looking for that consistency that, so if you're thinking like the ups and downs like these huge spikes and, and troughs but actually that can you even that wave out make it nice and smooth and, and that tends to come from yeah, your recovery the, your ability to realise and you can pull back especially as an older athlete like you say you know that it becomes more and more important well you've got all your experience you've got mm. all your 
you've learned so much as an athlete by then and then it's like well what do you want to do do you want to do you want to do this for as long as you possibly could for a personal point of view is it it could be monetary yep. it could be like i want to literally milk this cow for as long as i can mm-hmm, yeah um or is it to create a legacy it could be i want to be a real leader in this this sport and i want to create the big legacy within this sport and that will only happen if you can stay out on the field out on the out on the um on the half pipe as long as you can sort of thing yeah. so um yeah that's that's an interesting part i want to talk about um flow okay we're just touching it and now we can really delve into it so obviously with the guys in the on the half pipe there you mentioned there there's something that you just can't teach them because it's a feel and it's a it's a um it's just something that happens and i know you're huge in the flow and i've my own sort of I think I, my own version of flow has has, I've deeply known it for a long time. Just given it a different name. Um, I used to call it autopilot. For example, when I was playing, it was like you'd come off the field and you just couldn't explain how a good performance happened, or you have this good experience and you just can't explain it mm-hmm. for what it is. Um, yeah. So where where's like your interest in flow come from? Was it from the athletes that you would? Uh, it wasn't initially no it was um i said earlier i lost so from china um my mum was diagnosed with terminal cancer so i left my job in china to come home to england to to give her end-of-life care and uh, following that of losing my mum and and that period afterwards i I just couldn't get back into looking at sport or looking at or i had to work very hard at my technical knowledge i was always really good with people coaching and getting by in but uh i always had to keep working at my technical knowledge and I just couldn't get into it and so I, I just I just came across an organization called the flow genome project and just what they were talking about was it was like they're in my mind about these moments that I'd had in my life that like you said were just unexplainable they were just so amazing and so I, I began training with them and this is the work of this is Jamie Wheel Jamie Wheel yeah. and Stephen Collier yeah Collier. and um although they've gone separate ways now and um yeah, so for me, it was a very personal ex- journey through that, and and what I love about flow and where the flow genome project are coming from, because it's been a, it's not a new term; it's been around for a long time, even all the way back into you know uh, ancient traditions. You know, they, they've kind of talked about it in different ways, but scientifically, it's been around since Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi. But what the flow genome project are doing are kind of um, open sourcing what it, what a flow state looks like biologically and then you can then you can kind of alter the knobs and levers of, of life to make it more likely you're going to get access to flow state yeah i think that's a really big point as well people i've spoken to um to about flow is they feel like it's um it's almost like unobtainable but realizing that there's so many things you can do to, so to, to trigger the likelihood that it will happen you want it to happen the same way you want a good performance in sport or a good performance in life, a good day in life to happen, you're doing things around that to make the likelihood, the percentages of that go up and the, yep. the likelihood of that going up. So I think that's a really important point of, yeah. of, uh, of how, how to access it. And flow, for people, what stood out for me as well is, for people who can't, don't understand, uh, oh, dog in the background, he's, he's um, a <laughs> having a good season, flow. Um, the acronym STIR says, so uh, selflessness, timelessness, effortlessness, and richness. Selflessness, you lose a sense of I. You lose a sense of you, like you're just in the present moment. T is timelessness, time slows down or speeds up. 
is effortlessness. You're just doing something yeah. without thought. You're just doing it in that moment. And R, which is the most interesting for me, is richness. So the information richness that you that we receive in a, a, a non-ordinary state, which flow state is. And so that could be creativity, inspiration, insight. You know, you're just, it's just a higher level of consciousness. Yeah. So do you break each one of those down and is there something that you do, it, I guess, personally or whether you're coaching? Um, actually, let's go back. Like, So once you, you started to become aware of flow uh, from your own personal journey, that then leaked into wow can I actually start to coach it can I start to be more aware of my athletes that are in it I think you're in a re- you were in a really good sport for it yes. as well like Nat um, I mean I've never tried doing anything like what the the snowboarders and skiers are doing but I have been skiing and I have um, I believe like I've experienced flow and I experience it through my lifestyle through my things that I do the what's that I do um, but did it change for how you coached and like how do you how, well, how, how do you give the best possible way of accessing those those that stir and um and sort of setting people up to to really become aware of it i think yeah uh, talking about the the acrobatic athletes or the snowboarders you know that's fundamentally that's why they do what they do to feel that moment and it's not that like they get it every single time they call it the stoke that's stoke the they feeling of stoked stoke. or they're stoked oh right yeah it's yeah. it's uh it's it's you know when they're pushing the boundaries and they do it and they land it's that it's that it's that thing that they the reason why they do it yes they want to win X Games models and Olympic medals mm. but really it's that feeling that they're getting from it because it's it's uh, I mean they link yeah untouchable yeah. how do you relate that to to all of us or everyone else uh, there's criteria that you need to put and you have to understand that struggle is important you have to you can't just flow is the wonderful bit but you have to access you have to be entering a task or activity that engages you to rec- to focus because struggle you can either disengage yeah or if it's too hard then you'll disengage because you, you can't see the progress there's a sweet spot challenge school, skills ratio yeah. and so once you hit that sweet spot of struggle you're then focusing you're paying attention and then that's the doorway into flow doesn't mean you're gonna get into flow but you have to have an element of struggle so you have to be willing to access that yes as well, don't exactly you? Yeah. that and that kind of goes to the Chinese like they're they're willing to fail. Like yes. That, that yeah. moment where they're standing at the top of the diving board, they're willing to fail. Yeah. That's, that's and and really like the failing is part of it, right? Get back up, try again. Get back up, try again. And and then all of a sudden, I mean, again, this is individual and different sports and different people, but that trying again, trying again, trying again, you'll get it. And it kind of that process of 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 when you're in that mindset of flow, it's what technically defined as the the state of consciousness that we feel our best and perform our best, and it's we're processing so much information so much quicker than we can in our normal waking state that's why that's flow you're just flowing you're just doing and so yeah recognizing that struggle is a key part of accessing flow is a part of a, a beginning do you do you work with the hierarchy of competence quite a bit so the um like being unconsciously incompetent yeah okay yeah sorry consciously yeah. incompetent yeah and then uh, knowing what you know, knowing yeah. what you don't know, don't knowing what you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So that that I think that's a that's usually a really big part of it. An analogy I give is is learning to drive. Like you you tend to yeah. be you, you the first moment you ever go to set foot in a car, it's a, there's so that little bit. Oh my god, I'm I'm literally being put behind a machine. That, yeah. And I've got to figure out what all these these wheels and knobs and everything that are doing and pedals and what's going on. 
and you're you're so conscious in what you're doing then you're so aware of every move that you're doing but over and you were willing to get in that car so there was that moment you're willing yep. to get in the car so you've already gone through that struggle yep then you've started to learn you've started yep. to access the actual things that you need to do within the car to learn how to do it and then over time you've gone in you've put yourself in that struggle you've looked at you've gone through that sort of conscious behavior again but you've done it over and over and over until you eventually have those moments where you're driving without even thinking about it and then then you're able to enjoy the drive yes I, I, exactly that and i think if you to relate it to everyone else or if you're a new athlete or you're you're training the, again in my experience the best athletes can can embrace trying something new and they're no good at it to stop because they see it as a process of just getting better yeah. rather than I've seen other athletes not wanting to do things and disengaging because they don't like not being good and so if you don't like not being good you're going to be fixed in a, in one parameter or so one, now we're talking about fixed and growth mindset yeah as well. exactly yeah. that like been able been, been comfortable with just engaging in something new a new practice a new skill development a new whatever a new role on the pitch a new it could be a million different things but embracing that to think okay this is this is going to get me to a higher level of performance whatever that performance is at work or in sport in you know if, in a relationship like it's easy to communication is the hardest thing it's the best thing if it's the hardest thing but and to nurture a quality relationship you have to have those difficult conversations sometimes or to think hang on where can I improve whether your loved one whether your parent whether your child whether your friend a co-worker you know that they're the enriching and conversations that are going to help people grow yeah which is hard to do but kind of um, yeah well, that was kind of similar to what we were talking before we started recording actually about having those um because sometimes it's not necessarily in order to grow you may physically or skill wise be pretty much at the top of your game but that little bit of growth that you have could be internal yeah. could be really like an internal growth and um we'd spoken about relationships about being a, a big part of it um, and i guess this now goes on to more you as a you as a person rather than the actual technical side of being a coach and your journey of understanding flow um but, we, but that that ability to be better as a, a, a person and, and, and access sort of your um, yeah your your understanding of your identity as a as a person first can actually improve everything else as well um, and and I would the brief conversation we'd have was around sort of my retirement and and I felt I had an identity crisis. I, I didn't know who I was. And actually, I became much better. I, I believe if my injuries weren't uh, going to recur, I would be a much better professional now than I was when I retired because I've had uh, two years of really understanding myself as a person mm. because those little bits were like the missing lock, the li missing key to unlocking even more. They were uh, They were there for because it could, it could have been some a conversation un, not realizing that a conversation with someone was uh, i was shutting it off because of i was protecting my ego my identity um and i think those are that, those are it's a really big part of not only just an athlete a high performer but just as people in general to have those conversations that that struggle to open up new parts of you you didn't, didn't yeah for sure exist for sure yeah, yeah. it's um with your adversity of you know your your injuries and 
with your condition and and your your injuries you know you you're stepping into again me looking in you're stepping into a new uh, phase now from moving away from sport or two years moving away from sport but the the education and the message that you're passing on is is so much more powerful because of that adversity you've been through yeah so how how where do you um feel kind of you're at with it at the moment i guess um both in your both in your own your own personal life but um but also as a coach as well because i know you've stepped away from coaching as well yeah you have stepped away from from sport from now. doing yeah. as much yet and you're you're working a lot more with anna your your partner anna, so. yeah with kind of anyone really uh, yeah what i'm gonna do now anyone like trans the lessons that i've learned to to give them to provide them to to anyone who wants to to grow and to to be their best version and so with regards to that coaching where am i with that um i think that to be performance is to be our best and to be our best is to is to bring awareness to our ourselves and to shine a light into the areas that uh all areas of our life and to to uncover those the darker sides the shadow sides and that takes time and that's a difficult process but it it only provides growth um and allows us an individual to be a better partner parent friend co-worker colleague leader and leader being yeah so that's where i'm at with coaching uh and you're running a, um you're running a program called olympic essentials olympic essentials yeah olympic essentials uh which i love the premise of it because this kind of goes back to some of the stuff we're talking about where um you're taking some of the Olympic backgrounds, the, 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 the theories and the ideologies and the mindsets around it and helping people implement that into their daily lives. Yeah. Which it's is a great message because, again, it's something that resonates with me. I believe you can take something from sport and add it into your daily life. So um, much. I'm kind of what we said earlier. Like there, yes, what, what sportsmen do or athletes do is, is amazing, but it's their mindset, it's their practice, it's their their approach that we can that we can learn from it's the traits that they they're underpinning that success that we all of us have access to and all of us have and we can yeah. just and it, that's what i've seen and that's what i want to pass on i'm so it's so rewarding for me to be able to do that now and and you to see how that changes people's lives it's it's profound and yeah and it's not everything is it it's no. not it's not like you've got to be getting up at five thirty in no the morning way, and no. being that sort of person and going to the gym and but it's, nothing like it, that no. uh, yeah it's so totally the mindset is 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 accessible like everyone can have the the mindset of a high performing athlete a high performer yeah um but the parts that are non-negotiable are the skills that those those high performers have like you can't you can't wish to that 10 years of of acrobatic diving training like you, that's a skill you have to go and learn so the skill is the same their, their practice the skill that yeah the practice whatever that practice is like you said it could be you could be a musician you could be yeah uh, a creative you could be an artist you could be a musician whatever but it's the practice of that skill but that skill the practice of that and of those skill is underpinned by certain traits yeah. that, that make you excel or not excel and yeah so is there any uh, is there part of your olympic essentials program is this is there talk us through it yeah like, talk us through sort of the elements that you um you so so it runs over 12 weeks and it's delivered online and then we have a, a weekly group coaching live group coaching that we break down some of the concepts that we introduce each week we start off with mindset because i think mindset is fundamental um and really the mindset is coming at a point of you know 
we've mentioned it like fixed or growth like we're, we're all a mixture of fixed or growth but yeah. trying to highlight where what areas you're fixed and where can you nurture that growth ma- mindset and how to nurture a growth mindset it's uncomfortable at times and then you know operating from a place of drama triangle for example where a victim persecutor and rescuer you know an example would be you could have been a victim of your your condition you could have been but you didn't you 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 used it as it's seemingly me looking in it you used that as uh, to shift you into more of a place of empowerment mm-hmm. um so how do you do that how do you shift from drama into empowerment and then we go into breath you know uh, breath is so popular now which is such a great thing but it's so simple but it's so effective in in managing internal state anxiety kind of worries you know bringing to the present moment to be more clear to give you better cognitive performance it's so simple um and then we go into kind of rejuvenate rejuvenate the word (laughs) rejuvenating movement uh or regenerating movement kind of a movement that's that's nurturing um without equipment yoga flows uh then go to nutrition and sleep again nurturing key things about that and then the last part of the course is all about flow state what flow is the science and kind of how do you input that in your life um and so yeah that's the, that's the kind of the idea and the people that are accessing that are just a broad spectrum of people yeah it's uh, not, this is not ju- this is not athletes these are no not at all yeah. uh, musicians um, writers uh, doctor um, architect uh, financial people working in financial services it's a uh, yeah, whole broad spectrum of, of people that are kind of really looking to take ownership of their life and to to interact with life better so they can be that better parent or partner friend you know and leadership the internal leadership of themselves as well as other people um yeah yeah mate it's amazing uh, i um i think what you're doing is because of your background not only f- from a professional point of view but like your uh, your personal journey i think i'd have liked to have been coached by you when <laughs> i was growing up that's for sure <laughs> Um, but I think the stuff that people can learn from your professional and personal journey, uh, that's so worthwhile listening to. And just just taking the time to engage with this sort of thing, just, um, again, it does go back to that willingness to be open and the willingness to go into that struggle to start with, yeah. to open up at the possibilities of, um, of, of, of how you can better yourself, whether that's professionally or, or just in your life. It's such a um, it's such a big step for people to make, but can seem it is the hardest, isn't it? It's definitely, definitely the hardest. But so worthwhile. Yeah, mate. Yeah. Thanks. Um. Thank you so much for thank you very giving much giving your time. I uh, I think maybe we should try and get in the sea now. Yeah, for sure. It's looking pretty good. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, mate. Thanks so much for doing this. And, thank uh, you. And I'll see you soon. Thank you very much. Cheers, thank mate. you, mate. Thanks again for listening to the Raising Your Game podcast. You can support this podcast in many ways by leaving a review, sharing it on your social media, or by telling a friend. If you would like to raise your own game in your sport and exercise, you can sign up to simple and practical online classes with me at thesportyogi.com. Using methods of yoga-inspired movement, performance breathwork, mindset, meditation, and more to prepare, perform, and recover better for sport and life. You can also follow on Instagram and Facebook at The Sport Yogi. But thanks again for listening and I'll see you again soon.